Hallelujah. You can go ahead and take your seats this morning. God is good. A lot, lot happening. It was wonderful to see the, uh, the video. It almost looked like uh, they were in Target, but it wasn't Target, I'm sure. I'm sure that wasn't Target. I guess they made the, the, uh, the church look like a Target, but, uh, but that, was, that was amazing. You go away to youth convention, and all of a sudden your parents are no longer number one. Amen. God becomes number one in your life. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> if you have your Bible, I'd like for you to turn to Proverbs 25. And I just want to acknowledge once again, Noemi, happy birthday. It's a belated birthday, but happy birthday to you. Amen. <laughs> Amen. She turned 15, I think, somewhere around there. Yeah. <laughs> Proverbs 25 verse 11. And depending on the version you have, this scripture reads differently, it's written differently, and it's been very hard for translators to translate. Uh, so I'm going to read it. Uh, it and it says uh, what you have on the screen is a lot different from the, so I have the New International Version, that's the New International Version. So I have the old New International Version. And I'm going to read the old New International Version, if you don't mind, because it reads some, somewhat differently. It's been hard to translate, but this is what it says. Verse 11, a word aptly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Or like apples of gold in settings of silver is a ruling, is, is a ruling rightly given. In other words, a, a right response. So let's pray. Father God, we thank you this morning for your word. And I ask, oh God, I, I ask, I plead this morning, Father God, for your direction that you speak to us what you desire to say. May your word come alive in our hearts. Bring life to us through, through this eternal word, we pray in Jesus' name. And God's people say, amen. 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 We've been talking about the theme of fellowship. Fellowship is when people come together in harmony. We come together and, and it requires unity to fellowship, having the same mind and having the same purpose. And we come together and when we do come together, much of what we do in fellowship is talk. We come together, we share words together, um, sharing stories, catching up on old times, uh, small talk, sports talk sharing recipes or whatever it is you talk about in fellowship, talking about kids, family, the dog, whatever it may be. It's when we connect with other people and we have unity of mind, unity of heart. It's when uh, you know, we, we share our lives and our time together. But the man who wrote these words was the wisest man that ever lived. At least that's how the Bible describes him wisest man that ever lived, he wrote these words, and uh, he was wise enough to know that when we come together, not all of us come together from the same place. We all come to the conversation from different places in our lives. So we often, we come and we, uh, you know, go through things, and so we gather together in fellowship with a need to be heard by other people. You ever been in those situations where you're having a fellowship and there's someone in the group that just needs to be heard? 
right? That happens from time to time. It is not necessarily a bad thing, but it happens where people come together and they need to be heard. And so there's someone that may dominate the conversation. And uh, if you've ever been held hostage in a conversation, you know what I'm talking about, right? You're there and, and, and whatever the conversation may have been about, you're talking about topic A, somehow it all goes all the way around back to uh, that person, uh, you know, about their own situation and what they uh, want to talk to you about. Uh, back on themselves. So Solomon is talking about being able to read the context, read the circumstances that you're in, understand where you are, understand what's happening in the moment, to speak the words that are appropriate, to speak the word, to give a ruling, give a, a, a word, a, an answer, a solution, to speak in a, in a word that is appropriate to the moment that you find yourself. I remember hearing years ago, hearing this story of a man on a bus and his kids were wild, jumping all over the seats, climbing, screaming, running up and down the aisles of the bus and people on the bus were getting bothered by this guy's kids, wondering how come he's not doing anything? He's just sitting there and just kind of staring, you know, on the bus, just going, you know, and his kids are jumping, crawling under the seats, doing everything, you know, and, and people get frustrated. So finally somebody goes over and says, hey, Excuse me, sir, do, do, you, do you know that your kids are, you know, they're, they're all over the place. They're going to hurt themselves. They're, they're running all over the bus. And, and the guy just, oh, I'm sorry. I'm just trying to figure out how to explain to them that after a long bout with, with cancer, their mom died this morning, you know. And suddenly, it changes the conversation. When you understand the context, you understand the circumstances. So Solomon is asking this question. What do you put in settings of silver? What do you put in settings of silver? Do you put wax apples in settings of silver? Do you put fake fruit there? Uh, uh, well, maybe. Glass grapes. Remember those glass grapes? My aunt, my, I had an aunt named Joyce, had glass grapes, man. I used to take those things and make click clacks with those things. I don't know how many times she probably walked in her living room and said, man, who's been picking my grapes, you know? Breaking those things, stealing those things. But what do you put in settings of silver? And Solomon envisioned like this work of art. What goes well with silver settings? And he probably, he thought, man, apples of gold. You put apples of gold in settings of silver, like a work of art. It'll contrast beautifully. It, it's fitting. It, it, it's right for the setting. Apples of gold in settings of silver. The silver is the circumstance. The silver settings, the silver tray, the bowl, or whatever it may be, that is the circumstance. And what you say in fellowship is determined by the setting. You don't put wax apples on silver. You respond to the circumstances appropriately. That is what Solomon is trying to say. This is a, an unusual verse. And like I said earlier, it's unusual because, for one, it's God is telling us how to behave when we're with others. How do you behave in the company of other people? 
What do you say? What do you do? Do you just talk without understanding the context? Talk as if I'm the only person here that these people are giving me their undivided attention? Or do you listen? Do you listen to others? And, and, and you find out how to behave in the presence of other people. That I should be conscious of my words and careful of what I say. Not only what I say, but how much I say. It tells us that a word spoken appropriately, a ruling given, given rightly, means that it's fitting, that it fits, it's suitable, it's relevant to what is taking place at the moment. To speak a word appropriately means to speak with purpose, to have purpose, not words that are aimless and have no connection to the situation. What do you put in settings of silver? What do you put? What, what would fit? What, what looks beautiful? Not, only, not, not words that are just aimless uh, without any connection, but words that are timely and fitting. In the original language, the sentence is difficult to translate, very difficult. And, and translators are trying to find a way to say it because it literally says uh, a, a word driven on a wheel. Now, how do you translate a word driven on a wheel like a potter who puts the clay on a wheel and he turns it? He shapes it and fashions it to something beautiful, something appropriate. It doesn't not make sense, but it makes sense. A masterpiece. You craft words. You craft your sentence. You say the thing that is appropriate, that fits. You don't disrupt the flow of fellowship. You add to it. You beautify it. What happens in settings of silver well you put something there that is appropriate something that matches the context something that fits the circumstances solomon is saying that in my conversation in the presence of others don't be talking out the side of your neck but speak only those words that are neatly framed for a particular conversation words that fit the circumstances at hand that's what he's saying a word appropriately spoken is beautiful in its place, that it fits, that the response is, wow, well, thank you. The response is, amen. The, the response is, is, wow, you know, I needed to hear that. Imagine walking into someone's house and there on the table are, are pure gold apples on settings of silver, on a silver platter, immediately your eyes would be drawn to it, right? Not to shoplift. You're not going to somebody's house to shoplift. But your eyes, it, it would capture your attention. It's beautiful. What he is describing is something beautiful. Now, I don't know who could afford golden apples on silver platter, but this guy was wealthy. You know, he probably envisioned, he probably had it in his house. As he's writing these words, he's probably looking over at his table. Man, you know what? When I speak to people, I want to be like that. I want to be beautiful, something, words that are beautiful, but not just beautiful words that are valuable. Golden apples are valuable. Doesn't matter how big they are, right? It will be valuable. My words, for my words to be valuable in fellowship. This is how our conversation should be. Words that are attractive, Words that are meaningful and appropriate. They fit the time and the place and the circumstances. They fit the moment. In the New Testament, Paul uses 
food to describe the same thing. That he's talking about the same thing in Colossians 4, 6. He says, let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. Same thing, same idea. But imagine that. Your conversation is full of grace, unearned favor, that those that you're talking to don't even deserve the blessing and the goodness that you give, but you give it because you have it to give. I have something to say that is wonderful, beautiful, life-giving, grace, full of grace. The same way God has graced us to let our words be full of grace, giving something away, seasoned with salt, tasteful, discerning, so that you may know how to answer everyone. You're not just throwing words out that don't mean anything. You're not just bringing the conversation around to your, you're saying, oh yeah, I had this earache. Well, go ahead and look at my ear. What do you see? You know, people don't want to talk about that. But to bring something meaningful. There was a time when Jesus was on trial. And many came forward, the Bible tells us, to accuse him. And so when he finally had the opportunity to speak, and remember, he was on trial. He finally had the opportunity to speak. The high priest said, man, you hear all these people bringing these accusations against you. What are you going to say? What do you have to say in response to these accusations? You know, person after person, he did this, and he said that, and he did this, and he, I saw him do this, and I saw him, and you're there on trial. And this is life and death. And they're bringing these accusations against Jesus. So they finally go, what do you have to say? And the Bible says that Jesus remained silent. He remained silent. Never spoke. And I thought that the best thing that I could have said in a moment like that is, I didn't do it. You know, you jump up and start, I didn't do it. That wasn't me. He lying. He, you know, interrupt the court. He's lying. You know, the judge, sit down. because You'll have your, your chance trying to get your words out filled with this need to control the conversation let me sway the convert let me sway people's thoughts about they're bringing these accusations I gotta say something I gotta say Jesus remained silent he never spoke the best thing he could contribute in that conversation is to simply be still you know what I know who's in control of this moment he didn't feel as though he had to control the situation. God has things under control. This inward peace has this outward manifestation. And it probably blew them away. Man, how can you not say anything? And he was good. He was good with it. I'm okay. Because I know who is in control. We don't have to try to be in control in every circumstance. I am better in the presence of people if I can master my tongue. I am better. I, I am better to you and to others if I have control over what I say. And I often say the wrong things. Believe me, we were, my wife and I were, uh, we were shopping the other day for something. Matter of fact, we saw Pastor Jerry. We were there at, at, uh, at Home Depot. And we were looking for some things. And we came across a, 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 a sister that we've known for years uh, there in the store. And... You know, and she recognized Debbie, and, and and she was talking. Debbie, you know, they were talking, and then I, I, I blurted out, like foolishly, "Oh yeah, I did your husband's funeral." 
I felt so stupid after that. He's like, what? Is that what she wants you to? Oh, yeah, I, I did your, you know, I, I felt like, I was like, man, Kevin, what are you talking about, you know? Just say hello, you know, just. <laughs> you know? I was like, wax apples, you know? Here, here's, some, here's some glass grapes, you know? <laughs> right? Jesus didn't say a word. He had this inward peace that manifested itself in the presence of other people. Man, that in that group, in that time, what you say is fitting. It is appropriate. It is beautiful. It is meaningful. So we don't have to be in control. I, I need to realize that redemption, it's not a solitary thing. It's not something that I do and have on my own. Redemption requires deep connection with other people. It requires fellowship. I need fellowship as a part of my redemption. I need to be connect with other people. People sharpen me, and, and in some way, I may sharpen them. There's something that happens when we come together. It requires fellowship, and in the fellowship of God's people, we engage in common activities, conversation. We do things together. We hang out together. Members of the church must be in fellowship if they expect to, be grow, to grow and to be sustained by each other. We sustain people. They sustain us. But we have to be in fellowship. You cannot go it alone. You cannot be solitary and think that you'll grow fully. You have to be with others. You have to. You can't. A tree by itself cannot bear fruit. Did you know that? That it has to cross-pollinate with other trees. Flowers. That's why the bees, they carry the pollen. We need others if we expect to grow and bear fruit. Fellowship itself is diminished when our ability to communicate diminishes. When I fail to say what should be said, at the right time. This is why Paul warns the church in Hebrews not to forsake meeting together. C continue constantly to meet together, assemble yourselves together. Fellowship is necessary if we ever want to reach the fullness that Christ has for us. But it matters how we come together. And this is what Solomon is saying. How we come together matters. The Apostle James said that the person who can control his tongue is perfect. If you can control your tongue, you're perfect. Because the tongue is what gets us into most trouble. It's what we say. We think things. You know, if you think things, yeah, let it in there. Don't say it. Control your tongue. Because it matters to our fellowship. It might be a good lesson for us to learn to speak with moderation. Right? Just as Jesus was silent before his accusers, man, it would, be, it would have been easier for him to say, I didn't do it. Matter of fact, he would have appeared less guilty if he said, I didn't do it. It seems more guilty if, say, did you do this? And you just sit there and like, don't say anything. You're just like, did you do that? That's guilty, you know. <laughs> yeah, you did it, right? But Jesus refused to speak, even when the flesh urges us to speak. We need to have control. To be a person in fellowship is to be a person that says what needs to be said when it needs to be said. Because the tongue is like a thermometer. It tells of our spiritual temperature. 
but it's also a thermostat that sets and controls our spiritual temperature. What the heart is thinking, what the mind is thinking, it comes out through the mouth. And if, unless we have control over it, we end up bl blurting out things that we shouldn't be saying. Control the tongue and you control your whole body. And the ability to hold our tongues comes as a consequence of being able to be silent and confident that God is in control. Find the appropriate words in context. Find the appropriate, learn to contribute in fellowship in a meaningful way. The conversation, if it doesn't go your way, practice listening. Learn what's happening, listen to others. Learn to unplug and just be present with others. The number one complaint that I hear from non-believers about Christians is that they're always trying to cram the gospel down somebody's throat. Always having something to say, but never listening. They don't know my needs. They're always trying to tell me how to live, always trying to tell me where I'm wrong, always trying to convict me of, of my sins. But do we listen? Do we add appropriately to the conversation? Here in Ecclesiastes, or I'm sorry, here in, in Proverbs, he's saying, man, a word appropriately spoken, a word, it's like apples of gold and settings of silver. Uh, is a ruling that, that is given, is, is a, a, an answer that is given, a, a, dis, a decision that is shared with others. It is appropriate. Solomon calls it a sacrifice of fools when you speak without listening. A sacrifice of fools to speak out of place, to speak before listening. Peter offered the sacrifice of fools on the Mount of Transfiguration when Jesus Peter and John, they were up there in the, in the mountain. And all of a sudden, Jesus began to glow whiter than, than light itself. He was glowing. You know, it must have been a, a beautiful scene. They, they were able to see Jesus in, in his glory, and he's beginning to glow. And, and all of a sudden, Peter begins to speak out. And he says, wow, you know, it's good for us to be here. Hey, let's build some tents. Let's just live up here. You know, he's making plans in the presence of God. Making things that he wants to say. This is what I think. And he's speaking out in the presence of God. And what did God say in, in response to that? He says, this is my beloved son. Shut up and listen to him. Does it? Oh, wait. Oh, okay, I think I added the one part, right? Listen to him. When a good man or a good woman speaks, they're worth listening to. Proverbs 10:20 says, "The tongue of the righteous is choice silver, but the heart of the wicked is of little value. The righteous become a fountain of God. Words are life-giving. What they say is meaningful. They have something meaningful to say. They don't ramble in the presence of others. There's no frivolous chatter, like empty chatter. They know what to say and when to say it, like a word appropriately spoken. So I'd like to pray for us. I'd like to pray for me. <laughs> I, I need to avoid those foolish instances where I speak without thought. And I'd like to pray for us this morning that your words are seasoned with salt, that in fellowship, you contribute meaningfully because your words make a difference in the lives of people. What we have to say, that, 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 and, and 
as a, as a good practice, man, read, read a scripture, even if it's a scripture a day. Meditate on that word. Meditate on it. And believe me, an opportunity will come up for you to take that wisdom and apply it to a circumstance. You will find a way to speak that wisdom into someone's life. If you took a scripture, a verse, a, a word from God, you listen, you meditate. What does that mean? God, what are you saying to me? What, what does this mean? Meditate, un understand it. You will find yourself some, at some point in that day where you can share that word with somebody and it is life-giving. These words are life. These are God's words. And to speak them in the right context is appropriate. It's like apples of gold and settings of silver. So let me pray for you and myself this morning that your words are seasoned with salt, that they're appropriate, meaningful, and life-giving. Will you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. And with our heads bowed, our eyes closed, we realize that the Bible says that the greatest area of our fault, the greatest place of our fault lies in the tongue, that we're always guilty, that, that, that there are many things that cause people to sin, and, and we don't all share the same sinful patterns, the same strongholds. We don't share the same thing, but the one thing all humanity has in common is the fault of the tongue. It's what we say that gets us into trouble. It's a lack of discernment sometimes, a lack of control, the, feel, the feeling that we must be heard. So this morning, Father God, we come before you. A church, Lord, in need of, in need of, of fellowship with you and with others. Our fruitfulness depends on our relationship with our brothers and sisters. Respect belongs there. To be esteemed belongs there. We don't carry our own respect with us. We don't carry our own esteem with us. It comes from others who view us as people worthy of respect. We need others. We need others, we need others. And, and in our time of fellowship, Father God, I pray that we contribute in a meaningful way, whether with family, friends, even when we are evangelizing and sharing the gospel, to be present, fully present, to understand the context and to place golden apples in settings of silver, something that fits something that is beautiful, something that is valuable. Let our words be valuable. Let them be beautiful, life-giving, life-changing. I pray, Father God, for men and women, wise in what they say, that adds life. Men and women, parents that listen to their children, that their children don't grow up and say, Mom or Dad, you never listened to me. You've never heard me. You don't understand me. I pray, Father God, give us the understanding, the ability to listen, to respond in context, to, to, to be present in the moment. This is what I pray, Father God. 
Empower us, enable us, Lord God, to be the kind of people that give life to others through our words. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If the Lord has spoken to you, say, you know what, Lord God, touch me. Because I often say the things that I don't want to say, or I refrain from saying what I should say. Lord, I pray, help me to bridle my tongue. Help me to speak the right words at the right time. Why don't you come? Come to the altar. Let God touch you this morning. Let him heal, transform your words that your presence among others gives life. Amen. Hallelujah.